I got a message this morning that God has put on my heart, uh, and it's about his love. And I think we all know that God is love. And I want to do this in a, a different, different kind of way. So can you put uh, Bear's picture up there first? Most of you know, uh, know my, my buddy Bear. Uh, Bear was a uh, over 110-pound German shepherd that we had. He, was, he loved his family. We loved him. He was loyal, he was obedient, he was trusting, he was our protector, he was committed to us, he was sorrowful when he did something wrong, he held no grudges, he forgave completely, he listened, and he loved. He's God's creature. He loved us unconditionally. And I'm not saying that this God-created creature in any way, shape, or form was God himself, but today's message, we want to help you understand God's love and how he loves you and how we should love him. You see, a relationship with God is not a formula for you to figure out. It's about being what God has designed you to be for his kingdom. And that's what this German shepherd was to us, what God designed him to be for our household. Would you pray with me and pray for me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I just ask this morning that you remove me from your equation, open our hearts Open our minds as we join you here this morning, Father. Speak to us individually and speak to us collectively as your body. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. The title of the message is Loving a Loving God. So my question is, how do you describe your relationship with God? Can you honestly stand before him and say, I love you with all my heart? Keeping in mind that he knows your heart, your every thought, your very being. So would it be better if you were honest with him and said, you know, I, I love you, I really love you, and I obey you most of the time? Can you say that I obey you when I need something? I serve you when it fits into my schedule. I worship you most days. At least I worship you on Sunday, especially during football season. I worship you a lot on Sunday. I fear you. I fear you when I say something wrong or when I get caught doing the wrong thing. So here's what we read in Scripture that God says. In Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength when it's convenient for you. I'm sorry, that wasn't in that passage, was it? Uh, It seems like we may have added that occasionally. You know, this is the heart cry that goes out through the Old Testament Old Testament, and it is the essence of the New Testament. Everything in your believer's life, everything about knowing him, about experiencing him, everything about following his will depends upon the quality of the love relationship you have with God. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. We have heard some of the basic truths over the last several weeks. We heard about knowing and doing the will of God. Again, we're not 
trying to teach a program or a formula of knowing God's will. Rather, we're trying to point you in the direction of having a relationship with God. It's through that relationship that he accomplishes his will. Remembering God is always at work. And he pursues you. And he wants a love relationship with you. And he wants it to be real and he wants it to be personal. God himself wants a love relationship with you. And he takes the initiative to bring this relationship into being. We are created to fellowship him. That's the purpose of our lives. The love relationship can and should be personal to each of us. We have heard that over the weeks. You know, if you had those little add-ons that I added earlier about, I love you, I'm committed to you, I fear you, then you know what you can't say? You can't say, I love you with all my heart and all my strength. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring us to that place where others see us living that life. It should be obvious because nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans, 5, Romans 8, 35, we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? And then skip down to the 37th verse. The answer is no. All these things are more than... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, you can change that loved to loves. He loves you now. And then in the next verse, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn your Bibles over to the first, first John, the fourth chapter, beginning of the seventh verse. We read this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now, these are some great scriptures to explain God's love and to explain the one thing that is for sure, and that God is love. 1 John four sixteen, And we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever, love, whoever loves lives in God and God in him. Understanding this and the full dimension of this will set free, set you free to enjoy all that his, he has for you as a believer in Christ. But we must, and this is very important, you must accept it. You must accept that God loves you. If you grew up experiencing unconditional love in your family, well, this may be easy for you to do. However, if you grew up in a family that didn't have that love for you or didn't know God, you may have been void of true love. And so it's hard for you to accept that God loves you the way he does or that God loves you at all. But God is love. The only way he'll ever relate to you 
is in love. His love for you gives you the inherent worth that nothing can diminish. You know, when a child is born, you love that kiddo, don't you? He's, he's so cute. She's so cute, cuddly. You'll hold them, just hold them, until you go, what's that smell? Mom? When you get a puppy, they're so cute. Furry, and they just, they're playing all the time, and you just love them. But when it comes to housebreaking them, not so much. Or maybe your kiddos are struggling in school, and you know that they do better, they're just not applying themselves, right? What if they make all A's and one F? You're going to ask them why they made the F. You see, God loves you despite your faults. He loves us unconditionally, and he loves us forever, not when it is convenient. Mostly when it's not convenient. He still loves us. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If you cannot accept the truth that God loves you, you will be limited in how you can relate to him. Without understanding that he loves you and is and accepting that love, when he disciplines you, you will struggle. See, so often we don't take discipline as an expression of love, but that's the way God treats us. That's the grace he gives us. You know, maybe your parent wasn't very loving when they disciplined you, or maybe your supervisor, when they discipline you and you do something wrong and you're searching to find out whose fault it really was because it couldn't possibly have been your fault, you think your supervisor hates you. And so, too, is it true with God. Sometimes we resent God. And it's because we don't understand how deeply he really loves us. If you accept God's love, you will be able to return to love, to return love to God and to others. First John 4:19 says, "We love because He first loved us." So are you experiencing a sense of joy and security that comes from knowing His love? Are you assured of God's love for he, that He sets for you to enjoy each and every day? the numerous expressions he has and puts before you? And if you're asking the question, well, uh, yeah, I see some of those, but I, what do you mean? No, he sets them out every moment of every day. They're there. When the sun comes up, have you seen a sunrise? The fact that the sun's shining, do you feel the warmth of the sun? When someone smiles at you and says, good morning, God bless you. That comes from God. God protects you and he guides you each and every day. And that list just goes on and on. And so often we take that for granted and we don't equate it with God's love. Everything that God says, everything that God does is an expression of love. To be loved by God is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, and the highest position in life. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if you were trying to achieve something? You were working real hard. 
let's say that somebody said, you know what, on top of this house right next door, or on top of one of these houses in your neighborhood, there's a pot of gold and it's just for you. And you went and you got that ladder and you're climbing up that ladder, or maybe it's the corporate ladder, you're looking for a promotion or something, and you're climbing that ladder, and someone says, eh, it's the wrong house. That's a wrong mountain you're trying to climb up. It's this mountain over here. You see, it's not about you, is it? It's all about God. So your life should be God-centered. This means you must properly be related to God. This is the relationship with God that we were created for. Your relationship with God is the single most important aspect of your life. It is not. Then, now, if not, then nothing else will function properly. People might say, I would like to have a relationship with God, but I would like to be doing something for God. I want God to give me something. I want to be a missionary. I want to be in some sort of ministry, or I want to be a preacher, or I want to be a prophet, or I want to achieve some mighty goal. I want somebody to see me, see God do something through me. You know what? Don't feel worthless or useless because you can't say any of those things. You're still a child of God. God loves you, and God wants to use you. But it's about his will and his way and his time. You want to love God more? Here's what you should be doing first. Love God above everything else. But some people say, well, I've worked hard to get to where I am. I worked hard. I spent a lot of hours. I, I did this. I did that. You know, it's too many eyes in that sentence, isn't it? If you're in a love relationship with God, you have everything that you need. Maybe not everything you want, but you have everything that you need. You see, this is the highest relationship, the greatest achievement, and the most noble position in life. You don't need a big moment for fulfillment. You're completely fulfilled in the relationship with God. He fills you. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God did not create you for time. He created you for eternity. Time, your lifetime as you know it here on this earth, provides you the opportunity to become acquainted and to experience him. It provides an occasion and it provides opportunities for him to develop your character into his likeness. And sometimes that can be painful. And sometimes we have to be corrected. But remember, he still loves you. The eternity will hold its fullness dimensions for you then. You allow him to love you and mold you. If you're in the here and now, uh, you're going to miss the ultimate purpose of your creation. So don't let the past shape your future. What you will be one day is a child of God every day. He uses your present experience to mold you for the future. 
for the usefulness here on earth, but for eternity in the growth of his kingdom. You know, we're people that we worry about tomorrow, don't we? I mean, we worry about so much stuff. Sometimes we try to shape today anticipating tomorrow. We forget what we should have learned from yesterday sometimes. Or better yet, we ignore yesterday because we want to blame somebody else for what happened yesterday. Matthew 6, beginning in the 31st verse, says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that, what you, that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. Trust your loving God. Accept his love. You know, Paul had to overcome a lot of adversity in his life. His personal history was not without struggles with the Lord. But here's the approach he has. This is in Philippians, the third, the third chapter. I'm going to begin about the middle of the third verse. Stay with me through this. We're going to go through the, to the 14th verse. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day by the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. It is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of Jesus' resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so that somehow to attain the resurrection from death. Did you hear what he just said? What he wrote? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of in me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and starting and straining forward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wow. If we could have that much trust, know God's love at that level, we would be perfect for him, wouldn't we? Even though we wouldn't be perfect, for there is only one that was perfect, we would please him with all that we say and do. You see, often our lives move along, but nothing is happening. And 
That's because you're not connected to the source of power. And that source of power is God. Not trusting or not loving him at the level that we should trust him and the level that we should love him. You know, Reggie Jackson is a baseball player that is in the Hall of Fame, and he's called Mr. October. He would do very well during the season, but, man, he shined during playoff time and during the World Series. He once said, yes, my eyes are opened in October. You know, God is looking for people that want to open their eyes to eternity. He is looking for Mr. and Mrs. October, for one that looks forward to the postseason glory that comes with being a disciple of God. We've all made bad decisions or missed opportunities, things that we would like to change over time. But you know what? If you spend your time today thinking about your failures or your successes from yesterday, you're going to ruin tomorrow. If today you look or think about yesterday, you're borrowing from tomorrow's time. Yesterday is like an image that's in a rearview mirror. It's where you were. You look to see what's behind you. And you know what? It should be just a glance. If you're looking through your rearview mirror and you're driving your car and you're looking through your rearview mirror as you drive, you know what? You're going to run over somebody. You're going to hurt somebody. As a believer, you may take a glance at your past. If you do, think about this. Think about taking a glance to the past where God has forgiven you. To a moment of joy. To a moment with him. Satan's not going to want you to do that. Satan's going to want you to take a look at your past to your failures and where you've fallen short and where you don't deserve to be loved by God. He's going to remind you of those. That's what he wants you to focus on. God wants you to focus on Jesus. You may glance back at the past to keep from making some of the same mistakes, but more importantly, you glance back at the past to be thankful for God for where he's brought you to and how he has corrected you and how he has forgiven you. You cannot love like Christ and have unforgiveness in your heart. Remember that he has forgiven you when you truly repent. The world will tell you that the dominating influence in your life is your past. If you come from a difficult home, that may taint your picture of the future. If your culture has been treated unfairly, that also may skew your future, your thoughts of the future. If you were hurt or abused as a youth, or maybe you were rebellious, then possibly the remainder of your life will be spent struggling with your past. The world is preoccupied with the past because it faces an uncertain future. It faces an uncertain future because it has no hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the solution. Don't blame others for your past. Thank God for your past. As believers, we should live in freedom because Christ has overcome the past. We remember these words, the old things have gone away and the new things have come. And those are the ones that lay before us. The people of the world focus on what they are trying to overcome. You know what? 
believers in Jesus focus on what they can become. The Holy Spirit is confirming us to the image, is conforming us to the image of Christ. If you're preoccupied with the past, ask God to open your eyes to the incredible truth of his love and to the joyous future that he has for you. And again, like Paul, then you will press on to what God's will is for you in your life and for the glory of his kingdom. Accept God's unconditional love for you. Love him in the same way and then love others with the same grace that he has granted you. You know, some people have a birthmark that identifies them. As a believer, we have a birthmark. It's in our DNA. It's God's love that he is showing for us. And it's shown and demonstrated by the way you live your life. You know, police officers wear badges. They wear uniforms. Firemen wear uniforms. Nurses wear uniforms. That's a visible sign of what's on the outside. We should be showing an outward sign of what's on the inside. You know, when a woman gets pregnant, there's a lot of things going on in the inside. And the day will come where it will begin to show on the outside. God needs a lot more pregnant believers where it's showing on the outside. He's moving on the inside. Some people want to make it with their clothes, the way they look, the way they dress, the title that they have. Jesus said, you know what? Everybody's going to know the true trademark. And it's this. By this, all men will know that you are disciples that you love one another. Many want to play church. Many come to church for a feel-good feeling when they walk away when service is over. They're after that feel-good feel feeling for themselves. That feeling is not a true indicator. God looks to measure how full of him you are. His indicator is your love for him and your love for one another. We get caught up by the world's standards. We become so self-absorbed that we have redefined love, making it fit into our lifestyle and justifying not love, not loving as we should. We make love conditional, not based on God's word, but our view. We begin to rationalize love. I know Pastor Zeke spent, I think, Wednesday night talking to his kids about the differences in love and how we have taken that word and we have just thrown it around. I love this. I love that. I love this. You should love God with your very being in everything you say and do each and every day, each and every moment. A man and his friend were playing golf one day and as one of the guys was getting ready to chip toward the green, down the street beside the fairway, a funeral procession came. <clears throat> and the man that was getting ready to chip laid his, his club down, knelt down on his knees, took his hat off, and bowed his head. The other golfers were absolutely impressed, and one of them said, how great it was for you to stop in the middle of your swing because of that funeral procession. What thoughtfulness you had 
And the man replied, yes, well, after all, we were married for 35 years, so it was the least I could do. That's the way so many of us do. We give God a nod and move on. We go back to business as usual. Love is so much more to God. So much more. Can you put the last picture of, or the next picture of Bear up there? Bear was, um, Bear was 12 years old when uh, he contracted um, degenerative spine disease. He struggled getting up. And um, doctors said that they could operate on him, but it was probably going to continue to get better as it moved further down his spine. And we couldn't stand see him struggle to get up when we would come in the room. You see, we loved Bear for 12 years. But for that creature that God created, he loved, loved us for his entire life. God's love is for eternity. Not just while you're here. And it's unconditional. Regardless of what you did. You see, we also fed Bear and provided for him as God has done abundantly for us. When we disciplined Bear, oh, he had sad eyes. He was hanging his head. He had disappointed his master. We should show that same regret and pain when we disappoint our Lord. We should show the same unconditional love for God when he corrects us. We should not blame others. We should not blame our circumstances. As Bear loved us his entire life, he helped me realize how much I should love my master. With each day, with each thing, with each opportunity, with each circumstances. We should be joyous knowing that God will not abandon us. He's, he will always be there for us. His love and his grace endures forever. You know, like God and like the prodigal son's father, when we would come home, Bear was at that back door waiting to greet us. When he'd open the gate to come into the yard, he would run with excitement. God loves you that much. You see, God's love is his true character. He gives 100% all the time. And he doesn't force us to love him. You want to know why? It's because he loves us that much. And he wants your love to be real. When you love him, he wants you to be committed to him first. Relationships are not a 50-50 proposition, especially in the covenant of marriage. 
Our relationships should not worry about what someone else can do for me. But what you do for that person. If you are a disciple of God, you're going to mentor and guide and direct whoever God puts in your path without worrying about whether you get anything out of it. God desires that intimate relationship with you. He wants that 100% intimacy from you. God is all in. He's not lukewarm. And his love is a love that we cannot understand. Adari. So how do you love him above all things? Well, it's easy. First of all, you got to know him. You have to be in a relationship with him. And you have to be in that relationship. You have to be honest with him. And you know what? You have to be honest with yourself as to where you are, but who you belong, who you are, who you belong to. You have to be committed. You have to repent of your sins. And you have to accept his love. And the responsibility of bringing glory to his kingdom and sharing that love. So Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37, we hear the words of our Savior. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're here today and you need to fix a relationship with God, it's a place to do it. We're going to open the altar up. We have kneelers up here. We have prayer partners in the back. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to stay by the front if you want to come and pray with him. And Pastor Zeke will be in the back. Don't leave here the same as you came. It's not what you hear today and come up with an excuse to wait till tomorrow to do it. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Wonderful opportunity to crawl up in his arms and feel loved. Take this message today. Accept his love. Change your life. Watch him change those around you. I'm going to pray. If you want to pray there, if you want to pray up here, you want to pray in the back, you want to pray with one of the pastors. Now's the time to do it. Don't miss this opportunity. He wants to greet you with open arms. He wants to forgive you. He's committed to you. Can you be committed to him? Let us pray.